0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now the Go Wild app has added some really cool and exciting functionality to their app and the first one I want to talk about is the Near Me function and basically what this does, it allows you to engage and connect with people in your area. You guys can talk about gear, you guys can talk about hunting areas, you guys can talk about what's going on in the woods and it just allows the user to be more of a community and connect easier. The second part is the Gearbox. And what the Gearbox is, it is a an opportunity for the users to not only see reviews on products and see what the Go Wild community is using in the field, what products they're using, but it also allows you guys to purchase up to 150,000 products. There's, you, there's a shopping function on it. So check out the Go Wild app. If you haven't downloaded it to your phone yet, you need to, and you can do that at any app store that is currently available. Go Wild. It's an awesome app. Check them out.
1: Welcome to the Transition Wild podcast brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 69, where I talk with Cliff Gray of Flat Tops Wilderness Guides on Western hunt preparation. Hello, hello. How's it going, everyone? Thanks again for tuning into the Transition Wild podcast, the number one source for Western big game hunting. Hope you guys are doing well. I am again chomping at the bit because by the time this podcast episode airs, I should know if I've drawn my high country mule deer tag or not. So I'm anxiously awaiting the draw results. It's uh the 29th of May as I'm talking right now. So only a few more days until those results are in. Fingers crossed I'll get that tag. If if, if that does come to fruition, I I'm I'm ready. I'm I cannot wait to get in there and start doing some scouting, doing some some preparation starting to learn the lay of the land the areas and uh just overall high mountain preparation man this will be a little bit different than what I've been used to elk hunting I've spent some time in the subalpine you know above treeline stuff but I I think it'll be a lot more of that for this hunt uh depending on some factors and depending on how everything shakes out, but I'm excited, nonetheless. And and with with that kind of rolling into what this episode's about, I got Cliff Gray of Flat Tops Wilderness Guides. If you guys have listened to this podcast long enough throughout the years, you'll know that Cliff is is a resident guest on here. If I if if this was uh, who you know the basically the, what was that one show with Regis Philman? where it was like a it was like millionaire show or whatever, you had to answer all these questions. And at the end of the show, you had to use a lifeline. Well, if this pertained to like a hunting question, uh, anything related to Western hunting, I would I would call Cliff hands down. He is, he is a book of knowledge when it comes to anything Western deer, elk, bear, uh, sheep. I mean, this dude really knows it all. And I've known Cliff for a few years now and just an all around great guy. I always enjoy my conversation with him and and really what we're talking about today is a lot about western hunting preparation. He's a he's an outfitter. He guides in the Flat Tops wilderness for deer and elk and and uh so we talk about, you know, what you should be doing now in order to be prepared come this fall. Um so we dive into a lot of gear, physical prep, scouting and and really what you should be concentrating now. Uh, and then we dive into some more of the outlook of what, what we think the 2020 season is going to entail. Uh, we talk about his new, um, well, it's not necessarily new, but he's been putting out a lot of good content videos around, uh, just Western deer elk and, and, and even bear hunting. So we talk about some of his videos he's been producing, putting out there, just to just to help with gear and scouting and, and, and locating games. So a lot of good information, especially this time of the year when we're really starting to think about what's to come for this fall. So I really enjoyed this. Hope you guys do as well. Let's not wait any longer. Let's get Cliff on the line. Before we begin, today's episode is brought to you by Expedition Archery, manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience. Expedition bows combine aerospace-level quality Innovative designs and a fluid feel serious hunters demand. Test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com. Why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits? Make your next hunt an Expedition. All right, on the line with us now, returning guest, Cliff Gray with Flat Tops Wilderness Guides. How you doing today, Cliff?
2: Good. Thanks for
1: having me, Adam. Yeah, you're you're welcome, man. I don't I don't know what number uh episode or how many times you've been on the podcast, but you're definitely a a resident podcast guest on the Transition Wild podcast. <laughs> so I I'm loving it.
3: Yeah,
2: man.
1: I'm uh
2: I'm honored. What uh what are you guys on in terms of uh
1: episode now? Man, I think this will actually be I think like 70 you know, over the last couple oh, of years. Nice. So this is pretty getting up there. You know, I don't do as, as much as like a Joe Rogan, you know, or some of the other guys that produce, you know, three or four a week. I, I do one or tw- two a month. So i mean, relatively yeah. low pace, but it's, it's still fun. It's a good, it's a good number for me. Any more uh, would be probably a little too much. Any less would be not enough. So this is a good mix. Yeah, no, I hear you. Cool. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, uh, well, welcome back. I'm excited to catch up to you. I, I always enjoy having you on just for your knowledge and and you know hunting experience. But we always get into good conversation about you know maybe some some outlooks, some you know strategy, some uh, policy. You know, it's just it's just always good conversation. So I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, sure, man i'm sure we'll, i'm sure we'll do it again hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the listeners can, can bear with us and take it but uh yeah no i hear you man
1: so what so how is the whole quarantine thing treated treated you have you survived the the so-called zombie apocalypse all right have you slowed down a little bit what's life been like for cliff gray
2: yeah you know it, it's funny man it's uh um you know, it
1: hasn't outside of like,
2: I find that if I, if I uh, distance myself from the news, you know, (laughs) it hasn't, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed my life all that much. Um, You know, it's actually funny, man. I I would say that, and I'm not, I don't want to put it in the window of this being like a positive thing, but some of the, some of the ways it's changed, like uh, the last couple, couple months for me have, have actually been, positive at least for me as an individual just like spending more time with my kids yeah you know um that 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 whole that whole thing is uh it's almost forced some of that so it's kind of opened my eyes to how important all that stuff is um and then to be honest man like i don't know like i run into people every once in a while uh that are like you know they're bored during this whole whole thing i mean now you know now <laughs> in, the, in the adult ego now they like think people are starting to get back to work a little bit there's like a little normalcy but when I hear people that they're like I'm bored I'm like how are you bored man I have just been it's just like a this has like been the golden opportunity to just catch up on shit you know what I mean like I I need uh I need like six months of quarantine to actually get (laughs) my just my administrative life uh in order and and get some shit done that's just been you know been been sidelined for for years you know so so I think that's all that's all uh, a positive to come out of it. I mean, you know, business wise and you know, the economy and all that, I think we're yet to see what's gonna, what's going to come down the pipe. I mean, the hunting business, obviously bookings and stuff slowed way down for a couple of months, but lately, man, it's, it's picked, it's picked up. It's kind of back to, back to normal. It's not like a little catch up, you know? So
3: yeah.
2: actually all, all this morning I was getting calls and, and that sort of thing. So I, I don't know, you know, I, I think, you know, all that stuff's probably above my pay grade, but if it's, (laughs) you know, if it's going to stay normal for the next six months, you know, I mean, just economy wise, I, I I don't know shit about the actual virus and the science of that, but the economy and all that, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to stay, stay just normal and we'll dig our way out of it slow or, or if it'll, it'll be shitty for a little bit. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's all good other than that.
1: Yeah. To be determined. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, same, you know, been able to catch up on some stuff, spend more time with family. And then I also think a little bit about the, what are going to be some of the uh, environmental uh, effects, you know, like for a while there, probably a lot of the, a decent chunk of the world probably wasn't driving as much. There wasn't as much manufacturing maybe going on uh so you got to think maybe the world had a little chance to breathe and maybe that'll be good for our ecosystem and, and on earth here as we know it. So I think about that side too, which I think is a, definitely a good thing for, for our world.
2: Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and it, it's funny too, cause there's like all these, all the, I mean, this is totally non hunting related discussion, but maybe people find it interesting from my perspective. Like there's all these little things like working at home or things like that that I think culturally it's been real sticky for us to be in offices and and that sort of thing. I think, you know, two, you know, two months of forced working at home for people, I think a lot of people like they're just, they're not going to go back to the norm. You know what I mean? I think it's like, it like bumps that jump a little bit. You know what I mean?
1: Hundred percent. And
2: uh, I've got some buddies that work in Silicon Valley just that I know from a past life. And like several of them are like, you know what? We just, we just cancel our leases. We're just going to work from home.
1: <laughs> yeah it makes total sense saving a lot of costs and you know uh yeah. you know not paying that office rent, or or at least you know being able to cut back quite a bit i mean it makes a lot of sense with the technology today and you know zoom meetings and internet i mean you really i mean there's not unless you're in manufacturing like a warehouse thing whatever i mean there's a lot of jobs obviously you still have to you know be present for you can't get around that but yeah. you know for somebody that's Sits in an office and just jumps on a computer. I mean, what's the difference, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. And It just takes like you know. I think sometimes it takes like a forced deal for people to like open their eyes about it, like you know what I can actually do this, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's there there are like I think I think we're we're all up for some changes in in that regard that'll that'll come out of it. You know the the thing the I mean more related to uh, the outdoor stuff and the hunting stuff. I mean, I don't know what you've seen down around Montrose, but it has been stunning to me. Like up at our ranch and where we do a bunch of our operations, I usually don't see anybody until like the first week of June. Like literally, no, like no, no traffic. Yeah. And uh, you know, the hikers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this year, it's it's kind of been off the charts, man. Like in terms <laughs> yeah. of just more people, people getting getting out and about. You know, um, you know, not not necessarily, you know. Hunting or scouting related stuff, just people going out with their families and that sort of thing. So there's been an uptick of that too. You
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely seen, seen more traffic on the public lands and people. Yeah. I think, man, for a while there, I think people are just getting cabin fever and they're just ready to get some fresh air and, and, uh, yeah, get out of the house.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: So
1: but... what, uh, how has the, you know, the whole coronavirus thing affected some of your spring hunting operations? I know, don't you do some stuff up in Canada with some spring bear and, and, and that sort of thing? Has, has that kind of put a damper on that, or were you still going forward with some of those hunts? Yeah,
2: so so um, I think a, a dampener would be, would be an, like, a universal understatement for anything <laughs> in Canada. <laughs> so Canada basically, I mean, it got wiped out, right? So so no no hunts uh, occurred for spring bear hunts. Oh, um,
3: really? Te- wow. You know,
2: technically, I mean, technically, here in the next week and a half or something, you know, if if Canada just like, uh, you know, if they made a rapid change in policy or something, there might be a couple hunts that were booked for the first couple weeks of June. But, you know, 99.99% sure none of that will actually occur. So, yeah, all that all that was, was canceled. You know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, British Columbia in particular, the, the politics there. I mean, here everything's pretty quickly. I mean, everybody's bitching about it and stuff about it being a slow, you know, people want to get back to work and it's slow opening or whatever, but I don't think it's even close to the same realm as Canada. I mean, from the guys that I work with there, I mean, I know a lot of guys like in the far North where there's, you know, they got stone sheep hunts coming up and, and stuff like that. And they're all saying that those aren't going to happen. You know what I mean? Like it's,
3: wow, yeah, there's
2: just, you know, cause there's, there's a couple of things you have to deal with, right? You got to deal with the border, you know, and that, if that's closed or what limitations, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you also have to deal with the the compliance with these quarantine uh, rules, right. If it, it, you know, when they, when they are open. So like, if you're flying into, you know, you know, somewhere far Northern BC or something, technically, you know, they're probably going to, you know, make it a law that you've got to be quarantined for 14 days or 10 days or something. So that's not, you know that's you're not you can't hunt. set up up well for a hunt yeah (laughs) you're right right so so i think i mean that in the united you know what all i can do is depend on the guys that i interact with up there but i would say that you know they particularly all the early sheep hunts and stuff that's going to be going to be probably a no no go you know so you know the fortunate thing i will say is like i've seen the best of guys up there in terms of all the guys i work with like we've tried to to roll over like everybody's hunts and make, make, make it all work. You know what I mean? Which I think, uh, it, which is a massive, I mean, the, the economics of doing that is, is painful for a lot
3: of, you know, a lot of,
2: uh, operators. So, but people have been good about it. You know, I think they're, they're holding, holding up, but, uh, you know, it's been a big, big hit for guys, you know, we here like, you know, that's that's a that's a small part of my business so it's not you know it's not you know hitting me like intensely so but it's all about timing right like you know our fall our fall if this thing were to come out two months before our fall it's hard to fathom like what how you would operate you know what i mean yeah and uh and, and i don't know you know maybe that'll be the reality like maybe maybe the virus will peak back up and there'll be limitations and stuff like that you know not not necessarily just for outfitting in colorado but you know public guys do it yourself guys or whatever i you know i don't it's kind of an unknown you know
1: yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's all up in the air at this point and and you wonder like if something did happen like that like for example with your sheep hunts or your bear hunts i mean you got to think maybe the following year could be like dynamite as far as maybe more animals running around or i don't know like what if like what if the population of hunting went down like 50 percent this year as far as people coming into colorado and then next year it's like holy cow there's there's more animals running around
2: (laughs) yeah and i think so i i think what you're talking about is probably even if something doesn't peak back up in the fall and, and let's just say that life returns to whatever, whatever the new normal is. Yo. Um, let's assume that's the case. I, I think that, I think you're still going to see, the, I think your volume is going to go down in terms of pressure. Um, I, you know, I don't, and it, this is just speculation, Adam, but I don't see how there's not going to be a reduction in hunting, um, pressure this year just because of guys having to be, you know, guys and girls having to be off of work for two months. Like if you're off of work for two months, even if you were getting paid through the, you know, the government programs and whatever that were, you know, all the fiscal policy that was trying to help out. Like if you're getting compensated that during that, you still have a bunch of shit you got to catch up on. Yeah, You know what I mean? So how is it that, you know, I just think there's going to be less people that can take the two weeks off to go to Colorado and go hunting or, yeah. or, or whatever. So I think there's going to be a little reduction there. Uh, who knows how much, um, and we can get into, you know, more, more of that. But I think like to your point, yeah, we'll probably see a little bit in Colorado. Um, there's some reasons what particularly with the deer season, I'm sure we'll, we'll chat about that. Yeah. it's yeah. probably going to be mitigated, but, but like in BC, like, like, you know, Canadian hunts, you know, bear hunts and sheep hunts and stuff that, you know, quality, you know, it's like a big part. They're high, you're relatively high success rate hunts and quality is a big part of it. I mean, yeah. Dude. I mean, in areas that typically a dozen bears were killed out of or maybe 20 bears were killed out of, for those bears to roll over to the next year, it's going to make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, you know, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of rams somewhere, you know. Like, you know, what is it, are all the doll sheep hunts in Alaska going to go? I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but if you have a year's worth of Rams that don't get shot, I mean, yeah, it's going to be way better,
3: Yeah, you know, <laughs>
2: the, the only, the only challenge, um, with, so all the British Columbia for, for, uh, us, uh, folks, you have, you obviously have to go guided, right? So, um, the only challenge is, is that, uh, with all this rolling of contracts and, and hunters over to the next year, yeah, it's going to be great hunting. But there's 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 almost no access to hunts already. You, you know what I'm saying? Because all the hunts have been rolled over
3: ah, to the yeah. next next
2: year. So so I think the hunting will be phenomenal in a lot of ways, depending on species and area and and all of that. I mean, the areas that are less you know lower you know lower success rate you know, uh, more just like opportunity type of quality. I, you know, I don't know how much, you know, you know, it may not, you may not see like a huge observed difference, but the other stuff you you will, it's just a matter of trying to get access to those hunts. You know, I mean, a guy was, you know, a guy was, you know, uh, you know, know, who's for whatever reason doing okay right now. and, And this is not having a major impact on their pocketbook. It's probably not a bad time to like try to get on it. (laughs) you know what I mean
1: yeah yeah for sure I know it's just uh kind of a crazy time in general we'll we'll see what the future holds but you know life will go on and and we'll we'll get back to normal at some point
2: (laughs) yeah yeah well that's the that's the thing right like I think we all got this reminder and I'm sure like the hunting audience is all can all relate to this and is is feeling it like uh we kind of all got a like a uh, An in like a look inside, like how fragile this whole this whole rodeo is. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, and pretty how codependent,
1: man, like, you know, codependent, oh, and every yeah. how everything is so interconnected, and it's just just amazing when when one thing like this happens. Obviously, it's a big thing, but like you know, it affects everything. It's just wild.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I. I mean, I don't know, like within your circle of friends or whatever, but I had. I had several people ask me, you know, who would, who, who were never big hunters or, you know, uh, firearm guys or anything like asked me like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I might want to like think about learning how to hunt a little bit, <laughs> you know? and It's kind of it's kind of I, yeah. I, I think it it it's funny it's funny well to me it's a little bit funny because in the you know this apocalyptic scenario if you know something like this yeah. was five times more deadly or whatever like you know the human population would wipe out the wild game
1: population like two weeks oh yeah you know yeah but 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 anyway it's just
2: one of those one of those things that laugh a little
1: bit I know yeah know? I've I've seen the same thing I've I've had more people reaching out to me about hunting and interested in it and. And I uh, got my cousin, who's never bow hunted before, got him set up with his first bow, and you know, so he's getting into that. So, yeah, it's it's cool. Awesome. It, you know, maybe there'll be a spur, you know, help help a uh, little bit with the hunting industry getting getting that going. Even though maybe the economic impacts will be down, but we might recruit a little, a few more hunters. Maybe maybe it'll increase the numbers yeah, a little get, bit.
2: Yeah, get a new new segment kind of interested in stuff. That'd yeah, cool
1: yeah yeah for sure well speaking and you know hunting in general man it's already you know by time this episode comes out it'll be early june um we're here may 29th right now i mean we're only only just a few short months away from the from archery season kicking off here in colorado i can't can't believe it it's gonna it's gonna come by and you know go by so quick and I always feel like I'm behind the ball game (laughs) when it comes to, you know, being prepared, uh, here. I just, we're already, we're already so close. Um, I'm feeling the pressure.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. That's funny that you, 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 you still feel it even though you've gone through several years of kind of, kind of the, the preparation thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, I don't know. Like I never feel like it's, even though I shoot my bow, you know, almost every day and, you know, uh, I'll start kicking in more of the physical exercise here soon, but I mean, I just ne- always feel like it's, it's never enough. Like, ah, I could do more. I should be doing more. And, and, uh, but it is what it is, you know, uh, did you, did you end up sure. putting in for any tags yourself for the draw?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I put in for the normal, you know, the, all the cheap goat moose species and all that, a bunch of states and, didn't draw, and then I, and then, uh, I, I put in for a couple tags here that we should find out in the next, like, week,
3: right, yeah, for yeah. Colorado, yeah. You
2: know, they, they've kind of changed the dates around a little bit, but, but we'll see, I mean, it's always, I mean, my personal hunting, you know, is, is fairly, is fairly limited, limited. as you, yeah. you can imagine, between, between guiding and stuff, but, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know, we, I mean, like, as a family, I had a good run at it last year, my wife had a sheep tag, and, and stuff like that, so, uh, I don't know, well you know hopefully hopefully we didn't blow on our luck last year,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine with with you running the full service guiding and all that operation logistically i mean to to fit in your own hunts, it's gotta be really tough and 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 very limited, like you said, as far as getting something on paper and actually going after it it's it's gotta be really tough,
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you just try to work like and you know i think I think other you know other people too have like overlapping. You know, they can't they can't do things during the during the normal like September, October, you know, early November time frame. If you look, there's other hunts, you know what I mean? There's other there's other hunts outside of that and that's what I try to try to focus on, you know.
3: Yeah. Um so For just sure. so I don't have
2: the, the pressure that's overlapping with a bunch of a bunch of business, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hundred so, percent.
2: That's kinda how it is. Yeah
1: yeah well one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is just kind of more you know given that we are uh what are we June July August you know three at least three full months till people start archery hunting and you know four months or so until till the rifle seasons kick off at least here in Colorado uh I kind of wanted to talk about just preparation you know I mean you being a a mountain guide and, and and being in the business for years I mean you've you've probably seen everybody come through from the, you know, people just flat out unprepared to, you know, people that have their shit together. Um, But I kind of just wanted to, you know, pick your brain on like, you know, for, for someone coming out for an archery or a rifle hunt, who's maybe more of a beginner, hasn't quite done it before. What, you know, what, what should we be doing now, you know, to start preparing for a hunt, whether it be guided, whether it be DIY, whether it be you know, elk or deer—just general mountain hunting. Should we be, you know, talk to us a little bit about gear and physical prep and some things we should start be thinking about, you know, uh, by now?
2: Sure. So, what I would say is it—it's always and I deal with you know, you know, hundred plus hunters a year that are all kind of going to the same same thing, like how how to prepare, and so. The first thing I would say is that it's very variable on like where you're going to get your the most bang for your buck, let's say, for each individual, right? Yeah. Like the way I kind of think about it is – and, and I'll, I'll, I'll hit on a couple of gear things that I think are important to talk about early. But is it uh, the generalizations that I would make is that most people have gear on the top of their list because it's about – you know, it's about clicking your finger on Amazon and Kuyu's website to buy stuff, and, yeah. <laughs> and that's the easiest way to solve problems, right, in people's mind. So, gears on the top of people's list, and it should probably be closer to the bottom. Okay, in terms of preparation, I'm not saying that it doesn't. It, you shouldn't emphasize some things, but I think that it's overemphasized. It's low right? on
1: the totem pole. You,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. For most for most people, that's not. It's not a. It's not a barrier to entry on this thing, right? And then I'd say that outside of that, probably, you know, so you've got fitness and then, you know, some little, little like uh, specific parts of that depending on what type of hunt you're going on. And all this stuff applies, I think, for doing yourself guys or guys going on mountain hunts. Um, you know, the preparations pretty similar. Like my, my guided and, and drop cap hunts, the guys are going to prepare the same, or very similar to if they're um, you know if they're do-it-yourself guys going into wilderness areas or whatever, there's similar stuff. But you've got the the physical part of it, and then you've got um, the gear gear I already mentioned. And and what I would say is that the and then the other thing is just like learning you know try to learn some skill sets, scouting the area, stuff like that, right? Um, I would say that where you emphasize between like fitness. And then learning about, like, say, the area or animal behavior, or just hunting in you know, general, like those skill sets, kind of mountain skill sets, or, or whatever, where you should emphasize your time is, is pretty clear, right? I mean, if, if everybody, if so, I mean, everybody should try to get in decent cardiovascular shape um, because the altitude, right? So they're going everybody's gonna have to deal with that.
3: But yeah.
2: let's be honest, I mean, most guys know. I mean, if you're, if you're, you're, let's just say you're from Ohio or something where the elevations low, yeah, you need to focus on your cardio. But some guys know, you know, if you're fat, you know, if you're out of shape or, you know, if you're in good shape, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, that's not like, it's not a surprise to people. So if you're out of (laughs) shape, if you're out of shape, then where you're going to maximize preparation for these type of hunts is, is physical, is your, your physical fitness and stuff, right? It's probably more important for a guy who's physically out of shape than the other stuff, like learning about the area and stuff like that. If you come out here and you are immediately dealing with altitude sickness, you're immediately dealing with the fact you can't get around like you'd like to, it doesn't matter how well, you know, the area doesn't matter, you know, uh, you know what you know about the elk or whatever, like that's a key component of it. But if you're in decent shape, don't don't keep spending three hours a day working out right yeah some of that time instead and work on work on the other (laughs) stuff you know what i mean and so i see like that's the problem is i see people like they they tend to work on what they know right like a you know a guy who's out of shape he'll just keep reading books about uh, elk hunting or watch youtube videos about calling elk or whatever and that's all good but like you got to mix it up and and like focus on your weaknesses
1: <laughs> you yeah know what I mean? yeah be well um, balanced yeah
2: right and so that makes it it makes it hard to to recommend things to people because everybody's a little bit different what what you need to need to work on you yeah. know um and where you're going to get the, the best best use of use of your your time you know um and so uh i guess that's kind of my thought on that people are gonna have to kind of fill it out for themselves and figure out where to where to go with it and then so let's say like within the, the physical fitness side of things, you know, to me, if you're going on a backpack hunt and in, 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 I know you, you do some backpack hunting, right? Adam? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, like on the physical side, like, you know, being in good cardiovascular shape's important, but if you can, if you can try to try to, you know, work on your core, it'll help you in a backpack hunt a, a ton. That's what I found like over the years of guiding backpack hunts. The better that my, my core body strength is, the more comfortable I am on backpack hunts. Yeah. My back doesn't hurt me as much. Like all the other stuff seems to operate better if, if I work on that specifically, right? If you're not going on a backpack hunt and you're not going to be carrying a bunch of weight all the time, you probably should emphasize just your cardio, cardiovascular strength because everybody's going to have trouble with that. As I mentioned, because of the altitude and everything else, I shouldn't say trouble with it, but it's gonna, it's gonna be like a, a hit. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah. If you're not, if you're not from altitude, so that's kind of on the on the physical stuff, on the gear stuff. You know, the one thing to get on early is just boots. You know, um, to me, boots, and then you know, getting comfortable with your pack are things that can take time for people. You know getting you know how you're storing stuff on your pack dialed in those sort of things those
1: are all things that
2: you know just a little preparation um can make your hunt a whole lot more comfortable you know what i mean yeah yeah the
1: the backpack stuff i mean that was when i first started hunting and i was doing overnight you know going in with everything on my back for me as a new hunter that was probably where i lacked on as far as It was just kind of overwhelming to me like you have all this like new gear and then you're trying to figure out a system on how to operate everything and and if you haven't kind of went through that that motion before it was just like brain overload for me at least so like if I I would recommend somebody get all your stuff and then learn how you're going to use it, test it out. Uh, does this make sense putting it in this pocket or can I get to this easily if I need it uh, quickly? Um, that stuff helped me a lot trying to figure out that sort of system.
2: Yeah. And it's and it's like to, to dial that stuff in or, or get 80% there, it doesn't take a lot of time. You know, I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not a, it's not a big deal, but if you don't really think about it, it is something that you cannot. I mean, there's a lot of guys that they, you know, they buy a new, you know, a new, but they spend 600000 or 700000 bucks on a backpack setup or whatever. And then they just don't think to really try to utilize it some before yeah. the hunting, before yeah. the hunting season, you know? And like you say, I think it's just, it's not like it needs to be a big deal that you do, you know, every day for six months. Yeah. But I think like going out and like, you know, um, pack you know carrying your backpack a little bit and put your gear in that you're thinking you're gonna you're gonna carry and just kind of familiarizing yourself with your setup will help you out a lot and it, it'll just reduce this frustration right so you're not up in the mountains trying to find different things and, and that sort of thing and the other thing is i'm sure you've gone through this i know i know i have and i do every year maybe it's as i like get older is you'll shed stuff you know what i mean oh, yeah. you're, gonna get, yeah. you're gonna get rid of shit that you that you that you're tired of carrying around and so if you can, if you can do a little bit of that before your hunt, that's, it's, you might as well, you know, it's progress.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You get caught up in yeah. a lot of the little gadgety stuff. That's just kind of unnecessary. I, you know, for the most part, I just, I just run like as small as possible pack. You know, I used to, I used to run, you know, really, unless I'm going in on like a multi day thing, but, uh, for most of the time, even if I'm just doing an overnight, I'll, i'll run my smallest pack possible i just i just found less is more you know uh in a lot of ways there so you can always walk back to the truck unless you're like crazy crazy remote but i mean there's a lot of things we, yeah. we kind of overthink and over prepare for
2: well i think and i think a lot of it man it, it kind of hits on what i what i said originally is there's this infatuation with gear and yeah. buying stuff you know what i mean so in <laughs> easy to click that button <laughs> yeah and I'm and it's not like I'm not guilty of it over <laughs> the years for sure but it's like yeah it's just easy to click the button so you end up with stuff and then generally you're just going to end up with a bunch of stuff that you don't you're you probably not going to use you know yeah. what I mean and so so those are all things you might as well just just go through the the pain in the butt of that beforehand you know and so I think that's an important thing you might as well get on early and then uh you mentioned you know, some scouting and then, you know, and and now, and I don't, I don't fault it, but a lot of our scouting is just done on a computer with Google Earth and those sort of things. And, uh, and it's like an exceptional tool, man. I mean, it's amazing how familiar you can get with an area with that, with that stuff, you know? Um, I find that, I find that in general people kind of overestimate, uh, using those tools They kind of overestimate what, you know what they can you know how much ground they can cover, you know how rugged stuff is, stuff like that to kind of estimate underestimate what they're getting into, yeah but it's still like a very it's a really easy way to get the lay lay of the land, your access points, all of that um I think that's important i mean to be like when I run into people and they don't know you know where you know they don't realize that they've just hiked three hours into another road access point. I to me those are th- those are mistakes that that don't you like nowadays you know, you shouldn't shouldn't run <laughs> yeah. into. You know yeah. what I mean?
3: Yeah.
2: Um so those are all things you you can you can get you know, put on the satellite imagery on all these these tools and it's amazing what you can what you can do. I mean I like Onyx and Google Earth is pretty incredible. So those are all kind of the preparation things that I think, I think matter. Um, I don't do we kind of miss anything you're, you're openly chat about on
1: no, that. No, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it really just comes down to who you are individually and, you know, and, and really comes back to the physicality side of things because all, and unless you can walk the mountain and, and, and get after it uh, you know, everything else is just kind of, uh, you know, small potatoes. If you if your health and your physical shape is gone, I mean, it doesn't matter how well you can shoot your bow or, you know, how far you can shoot your rifle. It doesn't matter if you've got the ultra down, you know, latest vest from Kuyu. It doesn't matter if you've, you know, scouted on, on X maps for two months straight. It's all kind of irrelevant. Right. So if you know, focusing back on that health and fitness and and making sure you're prepared that way is your base. And and if you are underprepared, focus on that more. And if you're not, if you're you know pretty pretty good shape, then hone in on some of the other things that that you need to get prepared on. So no, that's good stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I think that's all. I mean, probably the only other one, man, is that.
1: Uh, in, in, in the you know, the physical
2: fitness stuff always always makes me think of it. Is there are guys that you. They're not in the greatest shape, but they 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 power through just because they're so mentally tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't. But that's like it's it's hard for it's hard for me to recommend like some way to get more mentally tough. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Maybe that's a, that's a lifelong process. We're all, we're all going through like, you know, buy, buy David Goggins's book or something like that. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, get in that mindset. I mean, you know, and, and maybe it's just a, a thought process for some, somebody to think about, you know, all these mountain hunts and, Particularly the over-the-counter wilderness elk stuff, which I think is probably going to be, you know, like hit your audience a lot just because of the availability of it.
1: Yeah,
2: it's just realizing that there's just not. It's just not easy, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like it, it
2: doesn't. It, when it's good, when the hunting's good, it's not easy.
1: <laughs> oh know? yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I think on, a, on a, when we talked last, I think last fall, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of guys that you have come out every year and and they consistently just get it done and and those are the guys that I think are probably the most mentally tough you know they stay like you said they they get up early you know they're there in the spots they're hiking two hours before light you know and they hunt all day and then they stay till dark and then they come back I mean that's that's mental toughness to do that day after day and um, you know I think that's just learned or you know, comes to you through years of experience. And that's something that I think we all got to work on or we all will be working on as we, as we hunt more. So that's, yeah.
2: that's pretty no, cool. I agree. It, it, I think that, I think the, the one, the one, uh, I guess caveat's probably not the best word for it, but it, it is, it, I guess it's kind of related concept that I always think about and that's that guys, you know, like, a um, a guy can feel like I'm going to, like, I'm going to, I'm going to be super mentally tough about it. I'm going to go all out. And then how that, how it plays out is they, they burn, they, they burn it up real hard for like three days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, they make it into a, a sprint and it's like they, you know, they, they are, they're covering a lot of ground. They're dragging it back their heavy pack around all over the place. And that, I mean, it, yeah, you are tough if you're capable of that, but really we're, where it plays out is when you can when you can do it for you know you're let's say you're you're you gauge how much you know how much country you're traveling through every year, but you're just meticulous and you're more like like there's it's a it's a it's a endurance race not a sprint you yeah. know what i mean if yeah. you can if you can do if you can do eight days of traveling you know half as much but just keeping at it that's where results start kind of popping up, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I
2: think, I think, uh, and that's like everybody, everybody has that. I think when they, when they first get into the mountain hunting thing is you want to, there's a little tendency to blow it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's the only, that's the only, the only thing on that that I would just, just caution people about a little bit, you know, is it is about being mentally tough for the, for kind of the long haul, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then on the other hand, like I had a gentleman from Wisconsin last year, come down, um, to the cabins down here and, and hunt with us. He, uh, I mean, gosh, he was probably pushing 80, you know, definitely not in the best health, but he killed a six by seven bull just by, you know, being patient and, and, you know, doing more of a still hunt. He didn't go that far at all, but you know, he was the guy that killed something in camp. So it's also kind of funny too. Like, I mean, there's multiple ways to get it done, but you know, I guess from that perspective, it's like, know your limitations. Right. So like, if you know, you come out and you're probably not the most prepared and you know, you could still get it done. It's going to be different, but I just think it's funny that you know, there's some guys that don't really have to go that far or they hunt smart and just are more patient and they can still make it happen too.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, but they, but they just, they kind of, you know, if they, if they do that consistently, like year to year, they tend to just be meticulous about it and they, and they use all their hunting time. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're mentally tough in that, in that respect, right? Like they're going to be, yeah. Like if the spot they sit you know where they've seen you know where there's fresh sign where elk are crossing you know that spot they sit they're going to be there before before shooting like every every time yeah you know (laughs) and like and so that to me that's a mental toughness thing man like it's hard to do that like i you know talking about it's so easy but on the third day of sleeping in the you know, in a cold wall tent, you know what I mean? And it's not, it doesn't get above 15 degrees during the day. Like on the third day, when you wake up, it takes some mental toughness to be like, oh, I got to go get to my spot. You know what I mean? And, and be there. So I think that's all, it's all the same, same concept too, you know? Yeah. Um. And, you know, and of course there's just, there's just dudes that get lucky too. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, oh yeah. But, you know, but in order to maximize it, you gotta be like, you gotta be in the game. It sounds like when I say it, Adam, it sounds so dumb, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, <laughs> no shit, but, but it's just like the biggest variable, man.
3: Oh yeah. It is,
2: you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the epitome of it is the local guys, right? Like the local guys that are, you know, tried and true bow hunters, you know, and everybody, everybody thinks are, you know, just amazing. They are and they in they learn areas and they learn game really well, but they hunt a lot. Oh yeah. They hunt like weeks and weeks you know what i mean like there's a lot of local guys that will hunt three weeks of september four weeks you know every day of our tree season they're pretty damn close to it and it you know they 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 still only kill you know they they some of them don't kill every year you know and you know and some of them do but part of it is just the time
1: oh yeah 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 for sure a lot of lot of variables there have you uh have you ever had somebody or a group in that you brought up to one of your wilderness camps that was like "Uh uh-uh you know after the first day get me out of here have you ever had that scenario
2: well you usually i mean usually if it's after the first day uh we'll have like a little chit chat about just like just powering through a little bit longer (laughs) you know what i mean so I, i i would say that that's 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 pretty, pretty rare, you pretty know, rare. Yeah. um, but I have a lot of guys that get like the, you know, the third day blues, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, again, man, it's, it, we're talking about it in the abstract, right? Like you're not there, but you, I mean, you've been there, Adam, so you know what I'm talking about. And a lot of listeners will be too. Like we can, we can think how absurd it would be to quit a seven or eight day hunt on the fourth day when we've been waiting for it all year long. We've been doing the preparation, spending all the money on the gear, all that. Like it's so absurd to quit, you know, on the third day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you're there and when it's tough and when you're tired, like all those elements and you haven't been sleeping well and, you know, and all that, like your brain. Muscles are aching. Yeah. Yeah. Your brain will trick you. You know what I mean? that's the, that's I think that's the game of an over the counter elk hunter. You know what I mean? Um, is don't let your don't let your brain, you know, convince you to push out.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's so true though. I mean, you you talk about a seven day trip or, you know, five day hunt, you know, six day hunt by day three, you know, the first two days you can anybody most anybody can power through. You're gonna get through it. By the third day, when you're seriously tired, your muscles are aching, you're mentally exhausted, you're physically exhausted, you're not seeing animals, it's like, damn, you know, like, it's, I feel like you hit that apex, and if you can get over that third, fourth day, now you're back on the downhill, you're getting into a groove, your confidence comes back, and, and, uh, you know, a lot of times that second to last, or that last day can come together, and uh, you just gotta fight through
2: yeah, yeah, sure, but it's it is amazing because the way you just described it is exactly. I mean, to this day, when I guide long backpack hunts, I I mean I I recognize the cycle, so I I get it. But usually, like, you know, day two and a half, three days, I'm kind of like, this sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 then you know then, but I know what's coming. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Then then if we get you know if we're not successful by day four everybody's like in a mode like we're going we're like we're going to the end of this deal.
3: Yeah. And we're going to
2: get, you know, what I mean, we're going to get it done. So it's uh yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a big you know, long long uh, distance runner, but my wife is. Yeah. And uh when when I hear her talk about it, um it's it's the same, man. It's the same, it's not the same physically. Uh, you know, obviously it's not at, at that level. Let's yeah, say, you're running that's 100 a hundred miles—that's
1: no joke. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but but mentally, I think the 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 uh, you know, that little curve that goes up and down is real similar, man. And that—that's—I mean, I I joked about David Goggins' book. Have you read it, Adam?
1: I have not, but just uh, oh, you know, yeah. listening to him on the Joe Rogan podcast—that's pretty pretty cool stuff.
2: Yeah, just like books like that that talk about you know those you know those 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 ups and downs mentally and are, and are honest about it, I think, I think apply to this a lot.
1: Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And life in general, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of oh, just, yeah. I mean, sure. you know, same with hunting. I mean, we all, we all go through ruts. We all go through low periods to high periods, you know, uh, it's a constant, um, you know, I wouldn't say a roller coaster and in, in a lot of ways, but, um, it can be a lot up and down and, and, but that's what makes the, the success so much sweeter is, is knowing uh, that you grinded through some of the tough times and, and then, you know, you finally make something happen or something goes right. And that, uh, that makes it all that much better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the, part of the deal, man. I mean, I, I mean, I've guided like, the, you know, like to me, and let me discuss this before we don't have to get like crazy into it. But to me, the hardest hunts in the U.S. are for sure over the counter elk hunts. Like in terms of the the keenness of the animal, the the hardship that somebody faces, you know, I mean, we we're talking like backpack hunts and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it, it it's very difficult, you know what I mean. And so, it's uh it's character slash hunter, uh, you know, um, building in in that regard, you know.
3: Oh, yeah. So uh
2: so it is, you know, it's it's one of those things that just just keeps that in mind as you as you do it. And I and I've guided a lot of those type of hunts, and then I've guided hunts that were they we're uh you know we're gonna kill we're gonna kill something the first day almost almost guaranteed type of hunts and yeah they're both fun I'm not gonna say they're not they're not fun but um it's different you know the 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 result feels different you know
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly um I want to talk to you about a little bit about your or maybe a lot I don't know we'll get into it but uh the true hunts thing or what you tell us what true hunts is. And what you're doing with that. And then I kinda wanna dive into some of your like beginner, you know, seminars and and the the YouTube channel and all the videos you're putting out there. But tell us what's true hunts? Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so I've had so I guess on the mechanical side of things on this is I've had True Hunts always because I've I've run all all the hunts that aren't on federal permitting. I've run them under the true hunts brand, like the BC stuff, the Texas stuff, all yeah. that for just, and they're just for business reasons, just to keep things separate or whatever. Yeah. So I've had it for that. Um, but you know, really I would say, uh, the, like my focus with it now is the, is the hunting seminars and then all that content you're seeing. And to be honest, Adam, that's been, that's been on my list to do for, for years man. The the (laughs) thing about it is it's just it's just a it's just a it's just a coronavirus. Yeah, corona uh, helped you out. Yeah, it gave me the window to like sit down and do this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like it's every time I do like the other hunts I do under the brand or whatever, that's that's a functional thing. But the content is like really where I'd like to grow the deal. And, And I and it's cool because like you know i'm getting you know i'm getting some feedback on it and people are enjoying the stuff and and hopefully it helps people but every time i do a a video like i think of like five other ones to do oh you know what i mean yeah and some of them on there i mean some of them on there like i'm sure people are like why like why is he talking about like scabbards on a horse this applies to like One tenth of a percent of hunters or whatever, but I just don't give a shit. It's because it's something (laughs) that's interesting to me, and if it if it helps, you know, if it helps like three or four guys that are going on like their lifelong stone sheep hunt in British Columbia, or you know, or whatever, and their big or their elk horseback hunt, if it helps, man, like it's I think that's That's all that matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you if it hits a few people then I'm good like spending the hour and a half to do the video or whatever.
3: You yeah. Know? Yeah.
2: And uh you know, and there's and there's obviously I mean there's selfish reasons for that too. It helps my business and I hope you know, it helps me kinda have like a little more personal like uh, uh touch to things, you know, um all that all that content does. So that's my my uh, my concept with it. You know, the uh the hunting seminars, they're I mean, I enjoy the teaching stuff and I've always I've I've done a bunch of that kind of stuff uh privately for guys who guys that I guided in Colorado and now they're going to you know, they they're gonna go on an Alberta sheep hunt and they but they're not they haven't ridden horses very much or whatever. So like I have a facility to set up to like to get people kind of tuned up on that stuff.
3: Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: You know, and then so I've done a lot of that the, the first time stuff. Unfortunately I had I had two full full seminars that i had to i had to cancel due to due to the virus and that's that's more of something that i've been developing but i've had like pretty good um response on it you know what i mean like there's a fair amount of people that yeah you know, i mean hunting i mean hunting is like one of the if you were not around it as a kid man or like you're you didn't have family friends that did it, or your dad didn't do it it's like it's a massive pain in the ass yeah. to, get, <laughs> yeah. to get involved in you yeah. know what I mean yeah so my that, that's like the the that part of the business is growing something like that that's like a like a functional deal that gets people where they can operate on their own you know what I mean that's the whole the whole goal of that I mean in three days I'm not gonna you know you're not gonna you're you're like one-tenth of a percent uh, of the knowledge base, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Can't, you can't cover everything. But, like, the idea is, like, is that people could self-reliant, you know, they can rely on themselves to plan hunts, you know, take advantage of some of these public land opportunities and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. that's the goal, the goal with them. And I've had, you know, I've had good, you know, there's, you know, getting getting the word out there. There's, I mean, there's other guys that have done it, Adam. Like, there's guys that have done that. But, like, it, everything I've ever seen has been kind of like a half ass product or your know, half ass kind of class, you know? Um, I, I guess, hopefully I'm not like offending anybody, but just my experience. <laughs> I'm offended. Them, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but like, it, it's not like it's been,
1: yeah, know, no, I, uh, I hear you hundred you know, percent, but, um, well, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's the beginner stuff, but it's also like what, what you're doing. It gets into like the actual nitty gritty, very, uh, applicable, you know, real world stuff. It's not like just high level, you know, like a lot of like what, like I think what you're talking about, what I've seen as well, it's just kind of like introductory high level stuff where you're this, if you're serious about mountain hunting, you're going to learn the basics, but you're also going to get into a lot of the, you know, nitty gritty details and useful stuff that you'll oh, need yeah, yeah. long-term. Sure. You know?
2: Yeah. And uh in that, that's, I mean, I still learn, Things every every day, man. I mean, you know, everybody does. It's like a, it's like a, it's a, it's a journey. You know what? You know what? I'm I'm envious of uh, on mountain hunts when I think about like the knowledge base. Is I always think about like the Utes or something. Oh so, like, man! Every day, dude. Imagine,
3: imagine <laughs> like a
2: fifteen. If, imagine if you go back in time and you could talk to a fifteen year old Ute. He would be so much more knowledgeable than any. Oh my uh, god! Instagram yeah. famous hunter, you know, like like <laughs> by a thousand fold. In the like you know like a like uh, an adult life like mine, that's you know most of my you know big chunk of my working life I've, I've been a guide. Like still like a thirteen fourteen year old ute is gonna have like ten x the knowledge.
1: Oh man, right? Yeah.
2: And so it's like to think. I mean, this thing is like you're like going into a. Uh, you know, the deep end of the pool, you know, you're not even close, even if you're your <laughs> whole life is, you know. So I try to like, some of those things that, and it's weird. I mean, may, maybe, maybe there's like a little ego in it or whatever. I Like some of the videos that I put out, um, I ho- first, I hope I don't like, I mean, I'm sure some of them are long-winded and the people, a lot of people just can't get through them. But some of the stuff, man, I just don't know why it's not discussed. You know what I mean? Like little, little things. There's weird things in the industry, man. Like, like it, everybody wants to talk about gear, which I get. We already talked about that. And I talk about gear in a bunch of videos too. And everybody wants to talk about elk calling, right? Okay. And then everybody, you know, those, like those sort of things. And it's like 95% of the content is that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. You know like, I hear you.
2: And, uh, and I'm not, you know, it's just a function of like obviously people enjoy consuming that type of content or people wouldn't make it, you know, it's a, it's a market based thing. It's just interesting. You know what I mean? So, um, I hope that like some of the, the videos that I put out, I hope that they're, they're exploring like a new little chunk of the whole, the whole deal, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I watched the one, uh, you put out the other day. Um, it was about like, what do deer and elk, you know, eat and, you know like for watching the stuff i'm i'm planning a high country archery mule deer hunt i should draw a tag for it this this year hopefully fingers crossed but you know listening to sure. that and and watching you describe you know the plants and the foliage and what to look for and what not to look for and where to find it like like that's just stuff that's just not talked about and you do it in a way that's almost like long form almost podcast format like we're talking it's like more of a discussion and 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 long-form conversation it's just you talking but it's like you're really diving into the details and that's that's what i really like about it um so the, the stuff like that i think it's great people are gonna dig that
2: yeah yeah and i think i think some people i mean some people it works for i think some people you know that the attention span deal is just it is not not gonna they're not gonna like it or whatever and that that's fine man but i i uh, no like i i mean am i'm a nerd adam you know what i mean like and i you know like i got my little plant books and all that and but it does help like it help i mean i mean some of species more so than others i mean like to be honest man like a bear hunter like a fall bear hunter that doesn't understand feed sources is like he's like he's missing in the dark ninety five percent of the boat yeah like it's you know like i mean yeah, I mean, sign and stuff matters and, and everybody knows what a bear shit looks like, but honestly, if you don't know, if you don't know what a bear spot is, not just, like, in general, like, that year, um, you're just wasting your time. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you know, and so, so there there are very, you know, there's, like, useful, you know, there's, there's, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm obviously biased because it's me blabbing on the thing, but, like, the, I think there's it is useful to know those kind of like dorky dorky things, you know. If you think about it, man, like it, it's kind of amazing that there's there's people that hunt certain species for like decades and they don't know what they eat.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: I and know. I mean, to me, that it's kind of wild.
1: Yeah, but you know, for a lot of people that are you know the especially beginners, I mean uh too it's like myself i haven't archery hunted mule deer before i mean in watching that video it's like all right i i know a bit more on you know what to look for as far as food sources especially during that time of the year and um you know that's that's helpful stuff that's that's the stuff we need to know it's not just you know what to look for as far as terrain it's like getting into the finer details to to make you successful, and that's that's what I like about it. And you got some on there on the thermals, you know, and you do a twenty-minute video on thermals and understanding how they operate in very good detail. I mean, just yeah, I, I love it, man. I'll be sharing that stuff with people that are you know interested in coming out and 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 some of the groups coming out too, because it's just good information to know. And then you dive into gear and footwear and glassing and optics and you name it, man. It's good stuff. I love it.
2: Yeah, cool. I'm glad. You know, I've gotten some I've gotten some feed, you know, some feedback and a lot of people are into it. You know, I get I get the periodic one about, you know, I'm too long winded or whatever. And then there's but, like, you know, <laughs> it, I think it'll take it'll take me a while to to dial that in. Like it's all constructive from my perspective. Uh, I mean even like I mean, some of the stuff is pretty classic, man. Like some of the YouTube like people will say things on YouTube that are epic but you just gotta laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um but but like at the same time like yeah man like i can you know there's still room for improvement I did a lot you know so anyways my my hope is that i don't think i'll run out of like little things to cover you know what i mean i hope that they do become like a little more concise and 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 you know still have all the info but they're a little more concise over time yeah and then yeah. uh so, and anyways that's that's kind of the the concept i mean to, well the original, the, my original concept, because I had been, you know, I've got these lists of all these videos, is I was going to use them just for the course, you know what I mean? Um, at, like, to try to, like, for those hunting seminars, just to have, give people, like, pre-material, you know? Yeah. But, and I was going to, I was going to keep them, keep them, like, just access to those folks, and then, I to me, it just didn't, I realized, like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to just make it. Because a lot of people will watch that stuff. My hope is they'll watch it, and then they won't do it instead of the course. They'll do it in addition to the course. Yeah. I mean, there'll be a lot of people that just, you know, they just eat up that content and they're fine doing things on their self or you know, on their own. And and I get it. Like I I don't I don't care. I wish them the best. But I also hope that it kind of drives some people to. You know, to want some of the you know the personal interaction and and that sort of thing, in the course will will it'll it'll feed into that. I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, very cool. When uh, do you have any schedule? I know the you know the whole virus thing kind of threw a stick in some of your your seminars and whatnot. But do you have some pre-scheduled or moved around a little bit for some future dates as of right now, or is it still to be determined?
2: Yeah. So this year. The only dates I'm still trying to swing, and uh, I've, I've scooted some, some of the guys that got canceled to that, but we'll kind of see based on the virus. Because, see, i gotta, I got to do all this in, like, May and June just because of my operate, you know, just the yes. other other things we have on our operating schedule. So I've got a set of July dates. And, they, and they're on the on the website. I'm trying to, trying to remember when they are. Yeah, they're the 16th through the 20th. Um, okay. for the beginner, beginner seminar. And then the, the advanced stuff, uh, the same deal. Like I, I've had, not only did I had a push one, but a lot of those guys are probably not going to end up going on sheep hunts and mountain hunts and stuff like that. That's where a lot of those guys come from when they go come to the horse thing. So those are, those are up in the air, but you know, so I don't have a lot of info on that for people, but people can reach out to me and we'll, well next year should be good on that front.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Very cool. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about looking looking ahead towards, I guess, just this fall and maybe years going forward with the changes in season dates in, in in Colorado and then and then also maybe about some weather conditions, basically kind of a a fall outlook, you know, so to speak, and kind of get your take on some things. Like, um, I guess starting more with with the season dates, uh, with archery starting on a Wednesday and ending on a Wednesday. How's that kind of? Do you see that affecting like hunter numbers? Like for example, there's only three full weeks in September where you actually have like, you know, full week hunts. Uh, is that something that you'll see with less like hunting pressure and just less hunter numbers in general? And has that affected your kind of operation at all, from the booking standpoint?
2: So I don't it, it'll be interesting to see how it affects the the public slash do it yourself crowd. Like I you know, is you know, those first two day or first few couple of days gonna have a little less traffic, you know, those sort of things. Um I, I don't you know, I don't know. I, I'd i speculate they probably will just, just because it's time off for, for local people and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, business wise, I it doesn't it doesn't affect me that much. I mean or at all really. I mean most of the you know, the guys are are booking the trips they're taking off x amount of days anyways it still goes over a weekend you know for instance like the yeah. first the first hunt you know so i don't think it's a, it's affected me that much it, it, at least it hasn't been noticeable um i do think it's a good thing overall to have a set archery season
3: Yeah, you know, it was kind I think of a so too
2: it was you know when it kicked way forward and it was over like the 22nd of september 23rd of september i guess would be uh that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, I think overall it's, it's best for people. Uh, I, I understand like people, a little people's frustration of not being, you know, set by the weeks. Um, but it's obviously just a trade off of having, not having to give up your, your end week sometimes, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not that, that part of the deal, the changes is not, it's not even that, that really on my radar. You know what I mean? Um, you know, my, I think people who can get off a little time midweek or whatever on those those ends. Um, yeah, might be a little bit better. Might you might see a little difference. Yeah. Um you know, the rifle the rifle dates are that's more of a to me is like a bigger a bigger change operationally and and hunting wise. You know what I mean? It's gonna be you know, you've got those how they how they put they added the weeks in between. You know, there's a little there's a little um you know it's kind of a well one it pushed everything it pushed the later like this year it pushed third and fourth season back some right
3: yep. so you have the
2: implications of that and then you got these weeks in between right um or more more than a week in in a couple cases um how that affects things i don't i don't know like i i the fishing game i know one of the concepts was that it was going to maybe hopefully help a little bit of this like refugee type of thing where the elk were going to private and not coming off. You know what I mean? And then uh,
3: now yeah. you've got
2: those gaps and then maybe you'll get a little bit better dispersion. Uh, I mean, it's speculative, but I don't, I don't really know that there's that much of that. I don't know that that much of that's going to occur yeah. to me. Like, you know, like, you know, five days off and they going to trickle back you know, six miles back up into the wilderness. I, I kind of doubt it, but, but who who knows? It, it, one thing it does do is it, you know, those are windows of opportunity for, for weather to occur. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they're outside, when they're out, you know, windows of weather opportunity that are outside of your hunting. Cause like one of the fallacies of it, I'm sure you've, you've run into this during rifle seasons is like everybody, knows that snow accumulation and weather and cold weather matters, particularly, I mean, for both mule deer and elk, maybe elk even more so. But um, it's not, it's not that great to get it during the hunt. You know what I mean? Like to get, to be snowed in two days during your five day hunt. Yeah. It might, you know, it's, it's better than nothing, but it's not ideal. What's ideal is it for it to happen before and during the gaps. You yeah know I mean? yeah so makes sense. you have yeah, you have a little more possibility of that which i think is which i think is you know it will be interesting and so we'll we'll, we'll see on on that front and then of course the deer the deer being later will be i mean i uh, don't maybe maybe the maybe the the virus uh the implications of the virus in terms of slowing down a little bit of the, the hunting and, and as much you know how many people come out, and the amount of time they spend out? Like maybe that will mitigate some of the harvest, but I would guess that our—I mean, my best guess is that third and fourth season will be hard on our deer.
1: Oh yeah. Know?
2: Um. So that's you know that's that's my thought on on that. It's going to be interesting, you know, like to see like third season they've done this change in the draw, right? Now we have a secondary draw. Yo. It's going to be interesting to see what, what tags come back on that secondary draw. Because I know. It's going I'm to real be, curious. That's going to be a very big indication of how much this, to me, it's going to be a big indication of how much the virus is going to affect traffic in the fall. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. So, you know, if, if a bunch of tags that otherwise wouldn't come back on, are on it would come back on, then it's a good sign that not we're gonna have a big slowdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, you know, we'll 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 see. It'll be it'll be interesting to see see how that goes. But yeah, I mean the, I think I think we talked about it, Adam. I it might have been I might have discussed it with Jay Scott on his podcast. But the but the deal on the deer, particularly for these mountain units with those dates pushed back, it's not necessarily that the dates were pushed back that's going to have such an impact because you know we have fluctuating you know dates of the hunt we always have had that yeah, yeah. um but now we got now we have it more full right? Huh? um yeah exactly so you know the 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 difference is not the dates that doesn't disturb me that much i mean i like guiding guys during meal deer right i mean big deer dumb you know what i mean like uh, <laughs> who's gonna get playing right yeah but the problem is, is that they have pushed it and they didn't change quotas.
1: Yeah, yeah, we you know we did I mean? talk about this bad. exact thing last last okay. fall when I had you yeah. on. Yeah, it was that was really interesting. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, there's going to be a it could be a, a slaughter this year. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, there could be you know, I could be totally wrong because other variables could occur. The hunting conditions could be shitty. Like who knows? But if you just do the math, like rough it, and like on average conditions like a lot of areas you're talking like one, you know, one unit's probably going to see during third season, you know, the, yeah, the large units, but you might see an extra 60, 70 bucks come out of an area. Oh yeah, That's probably going to be pretty common, you know, and that's, that's a lot of deer, you know, that's a lot of like, you know, the deer that are (laughs) particularly older deer. They're so susceptible, you know what I mean? During that, during that, those third and fourth seasons. So that, that could be like a, game changer for Colorado you know I mean we I all mean, right that's I don't know you know what I mean but we could look like a lot of these other states in terms of the deer being just pounded out you know
1: yeah so be we'll, interesting we'll, we'll see. yeah yeah I'm curious uh I definitely want to r- circle back with you after the season to see you know what the kind of outcome you know directly you know, affected and 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 what it looked like for you in particular, because uh, you know you you've been at it for a long time. You you've seen a lot of seasons come and go, and with these changes, obviously that's going to be a you know a big fork in the road to see which way it lands. So I'll look forward to talking to you on that too.
2: Yeah, and it's I mean you know it's it's probably going to be good for a lot of people, you know. I mean, you know, just from the, you know, they're gonna get in on some. Pro- I mean, my guess is some pretty damn good hunting. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, like you know, it's uh, it's uh, you know, it was it was probably fun to to kill all those buffalo when we put the railroad track in. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh. <laughs> like years
3: down not, the line. The,
2: yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. It's one of those things. I don't. I some of it I don't understand, like why it wasn't. Why it wasn't like mitigated a little bit in, in quotas, but uh, you know it's probably because that was the intention. You know, the intention is to reduce some of
3: the some chronic of the
2: older wasting. Deer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. kind of the the deal. So, yeah. Yep. yep. So that'll we'll we'll see on that, and then you know, other than that, I mean, we're we're so far out, like in terms of outlook, in terms of weather, and those sort of things. Like the mountains are way ahead of what they typically are this year. Like it's it's pretty astounding, you know, like the snow's way melted off, you know, it's green where it's usually not already. You know, yeah. all of those Yeah. All of those things. So
1: Yeah, talk to us about that because, like last summer we had a ton of precipitation, you know, pretty much right up right up until August, you know. I mean the whole summer, June and July were were pretty uh pretty good rainfall. Uh this year and, and plus we were coming off a winter that was uh you know record highs or i mean just a lot of precipitation and um uh, even in like june last year may june last year i mean the san juans down here were reporting five six hundred percent snowpack yeah. you know still and you know so this year is there really wasn't a lot of uh i can't speak for all of colorado but there really wasn't a lot of snow um you know, in March and, in April, like we had the year prior and then also going into a dry summer, like what we're experiencing so far, a dry spring leading into summer. How how do you, how do you take that? Is that, is this going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is it going to be concentrate deer and elk in more places where there's actually is food and water or what's your take on the whole thing?
2: Yeah. So I I think you hit on a, on a few of those things. So One thing is like this, this, you know, the late winter and spring this year was, you know, is like money for deer and elk, right? Like you didn't have, I I think 2000, you know, last year, 2019, I think we had a sneaker. I think we had like a sneaker winter kill on deer that nobody really observed because of the late, because of the late, the late conditions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I, and, uh, but you know, this year it's been good, right? It's good for the deer. It's good for the elk so far. The problem is, is that they're, they're going to, if it keeps up like this, they're going to feed is going to be fairly limited, right? Like range conditions are not going to be awesome. And then the other thing is it sets up the range to be, you know, in slightly worse shape for the winter. You know, just like all the browse down in the low country doesn't put on, doesn't Uh, put on the, the feed, you know? Yeah. Um, so so it makes them a little more susceptible, like this you know uh, this next winter or whatever. Um, so there's those things, you know who knows, bunch of variables involved, including like how much rain we get over the next few months. You know what I mean if we get into these, you know how we get into these thunderstorm cycles where it's raining every afternoon or whatever, yep. things can change, you know. Yeah. Um, but last year, I mean, last year. It was all good. The range conditions were were awesome. I mean, you know, if you spent time in the mountains, to me, it was like one of the prettiest years I'd seen in a long time. You know, like everything is green. Mm-hmm. You know, there's water running everywhere all the way. You know, all the way through the summer, wildflowers are off the charts. All all that stuff, right? Um, but I think I I, um, I don't recall us talking about how your guys' hunting went, but the game was really dispersed.
3: Yeah, it was because were.
2: there's, there's feet everywhere, you know, like it was, you know, they were, I mean, they could live, you know, they were up in the alpine, spread all over the place. Um, you know, then you had them scattered in the aspen, like, I, I mean, it was. they're kind of like all over elevation grade and then just spread out everywhere. Right. Um, which kind of sounds good when you say it, but is miserable when you're involved in it. Cause it doesn't seem like they're anywhere.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Just trying to find them. <laughs> it, a huge challenge. Yeah, exactly. So,
2: so it was challenging in that regard. If you get, you know, if it, I mean, this, if it stays like this, from what I saw, I was up in the mountains a couple of days ago, like pretty high for this time of year. It was already like, there's not that much snow left and everything's green. What I find and it's, and it's probably somewhat specific to the flat tops. But your alpine grasses—they don't grow that much and they burn up real quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, what I find tends to happen, particularly on elk, is they'll all of a sudden they kind of—they're limited to the band of aspen-conifer transition because the aspens will always have feed in them. You know what I mean? They get a lot of sun. They hold moisture better. You know those sort of things. So sometimes it can help the hunting for us because it burns up all the feed in the, in the top, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it concentrates them a little bit, as, as you mentioned, you know, water for us, well, I think water is real specific to where you're at. You know what I mean? I mean for us, even in a super dry year, like an elk or deer, he's not, he's not hard up for water. No. You know, he's just, there's a lot of water everywhere, you know, little pond and Yeah, alpine lakes and stuff like that all over the place. But the feed situation can, can, can change, you know, um, change things. So there's that plus. Um, but the other big one, man, that just is a, it's more of a non, like, I guess biology related, but it's, it's relevant to everybody. And that's just the fire shit. You know Uh, what I mean? The fire
1: stuff. That's huge. It's like,
2: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, Every year, man, like, this stuff, you know, the big chunks of Colorado become more and more like a just a tinderbox,
3: you know. <laughs> yeah.
2: so, uh, yeah. so that's, I mean, to me, to me, like, I, I wouldn't, like, it's just my view on it is I'm never, like, praying for dry conditions so the game's more concentrated. That's a silver lining, but the negatives outweigh that, right? Like, fires can screw stuff up. And then you got game that's in kind of poor condition going into winter. Like I'd rather like those two don't they don't uh, they don't weigh each other out. You know what I mean? I'd rather have like a little bit better conditions up there. You know, feed conditions. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like you know a a good one good season, but you're sacrificing you know overall maybe a couple years down the line of of trying to recover from that. So um, yeah, I I hear you there. Yeah, it's interesting yeah, to hear I you think... talk about aspens, though. I mean, like, is that – uh it seems like, you know, they there's still enough light coming in there, and usually aspens are growing in more of a wet, you know, environment, or they have moisture to grow, so there's going to be feed and grasses in there that are growing, but they're not quite burnt up. So is that basically what you're saying, is there's just going to be more feed in those types yeah, of, like, more... groves and stuff?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, so the – you know, just more light can get through. Obviously, the yeah the type of vegetation, so you get more grass. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when yeah. you walk through aspens, how much grass there is, even even when it's dry. Yeah. So if they have to depend on that. You know, they they uh, the elk will. You know what I mean? Instead of instead of up in that. You know, I think I think it, you know it's it's probably varies a little bit by by area, but I think if an elk had its way, man, it would eat grass that's about that's that's about two and a half inches long and if they could maintain eating that you know you know three inches long or whatever yeah they would That's that's what they like you know what i mean the fresh stuff like they like that gra- yeah the fresh stuff they like the grasses and the, and the for us like the like right up you know rolling in and out of timberline that's where that stuff is you know what i mean yeah and the other thing up there is that they have less bugs you know, so I think just like cattle, they, I mean, if they can get away from the bugs, they will. So they have a preference for that. But if the if the high country is real dry, it's just not enough. You know what I mean? So then they'll kick into the aspens. And you see the same thing with weather, man. The first thing, when there's deep snow up on the top, they'll, they'll hit, they get, they go concentrate in the aspens.
1: Got it. Yeah, because it's like yeah. food and, and cover, too. I mean, it's kind of kind of boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
3: yeah
2: yeah yeah and then you know usually they're you know they got you got stringers of timber and stuff and I ask if they can go they yeah can go boogie into or whatever but um that's what that's what I I find I mean one thing about a dry year is it'll make it, to me it makes the bear hunting better
1: oh really okay
2: because yeah because where they're at they're at you know what I mean like that when you have when you got all all that all the different feed sources going off like serviceberry, chokecherry and then acorns if all those are hitting cuz it's wet you got bear hunting's hard you know i mean you can yeah. be anywhere you know <laughs> yeah. but if you find but in a dry year like some of the is still going to go cuz it's like in a wet spot well all every freaking bear in 50 miles will be there yeah. you know what i mean yeah so, that's Less that's diversity. my my thought on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They got to go. They got to go where they got to go. You
1: know? And how about so. deer? Like, do you, do you feel like with with a drier summer too, they're not gonna be, they're gonna be by hunting season if this continues? Will they be pushed down into more of those lower elevation aspens and stuff like that, or are they pretty hardy as far as the feed goes?
2: Yeah. So I you know I mean I think it's it's somewhat similar. But I, I, they're they're more browse dependent. You know what I mean. So like,
3: leaves like and... big
2: bucks and yeah, big bucks in the alpine, like working willows or or you know browse up there or whatever. Like the yeah, it's not going to be there's not going to be as much of it. But they don't seem to react to it like like elk do. You know what I mean? They'll I mean, you know they'll eat the grasses. So so to me, it doesn't seem to be as big a deal. I think the range condition part of it, they're way more sensitive to. You know what I mean? Like if the if the low it's a low country like the mahogany and shit like that doesn't put on you know new little little growth,
3: mm-hmm. it's
2: hard for them to make a living in the winter time, you know, because they can't eat grass. If they if they forced to eat that dead grass, they they'll die. You know they're not they're not not set up like an elk. You know?
3: Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: I think there's that you know, but yeah yeah, the, my you know what I find about my deer my my perception of deer is it's, it's biased to my location in a lot of ways, Adam. And that's in probably the, the one video you're alluding to kind of hits on that is like our deer, are not like they're not like a lot of the deer in Colorado that go up there and really stick to that timberline stuff because our timberline is shitty habitat for deer. You know, we don't have the right type of willow and stuff like that. So like our deer kind of like sticking the aspen anyways,
3: you know? Oh, really? So, okay.
2: Yeah, so my, my perception might be, I mean, we have them up in the high country, but not like Gunnison and stuff like that. We go up in glasses, you know, there's a dozen velvet bucks, you know, sitting basin. out in the basin. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't have that as much, you know. Um. So my, my perception on it is a little biased. Those guys over there might have a different, you know, I don't, their high deer might be affected more by dry conditions and i may just not have a good good feel for it you know
1: yeah yeah where i'm going to be hunting um you know i'm going to be doing a alpine hunt basically or you know above tree line and i'm just wondering if it's going to be you know for that unit it might make sense to also check out some of the lower stuff If if it does continue to be a dry year and that stuff does get burnt up and there's less you know willows producing and and just less feed in general less browse um you know i might want to look a little lower um so we'll see yeah
2: yeah well it's always yeah it's always it's always worth turning over another stone but i i, I would speculate you're probably it's probably not going to affect them quite as much i bet they'll still be hanging in there
1: yeah in
3: their
2: homes, yeah you know?
1: well very cool very cool well, i'm ex- i'm excited i this uh getting you know to talk about all this stuff as far as preparation and outlook and you know getting getting the bug here getting the itch to to you know get season to come around this has been it's been great i love talking about this stuff yeah of course man and i uh,
2: yeah it's it's uh, it'll be here before you know it it's kind
1: of amazing i know i know it's uh coming by quick and uh before we jump off here i just want to say thanks again uh cliff for uh, for contributing to the article i put in uh, bugle magazine that turned out Really good, and, and uh, a lot of people were digging that article, and I appreciate your your uh, you know input contribution to that article, yeah. man. It was, it was really cool. Yeah, of course, man. Glad you got it published in there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. And uh, where can we go to find out more about Flat Tops Wilderness Guides and, and the True Hunts thing? Tell us about the websites.
2: Yeah, so the Flat Tops Wilderness Guide, the best way is FT Guides. G U I D S dot com and then uh true hunts is just true hunts written out dot com and so those are your best bet and then i try to keep up you know up to date we got we have instagram and stuff for all the businesses but I, a lot of it's concentrated on my personal one which is cliff g-r-y so c-l-i-f-f g-r-y probably your best bet to kind of keep keep up to date on things you know
1: yeah man yeah i love following you on there seeing all the stuff in the flat tops and badass photos of elk and country. It's just, uh, you're a good follow, man. I, I, I enjoy seeing your posts. (laughs) Good deal. (laughs) Well, cool, Cliff. Well, thanks again. And, and, uh, good luck this year and we'll talk to you soon. All right.
2: Yeah. You too, man. Thanks.
1: All right. And there we have it. Another episode in the books. Thanks again to Cliff for coming on the show. If that doesn't get you motivated for this fall, I don't know what will, because Cliff sees, you know, he's seen hundreds and hundreds of guys come through his operation over the years. And if he's saying, you know, this is what you should be focusing on, this is what you should be doing and, and really looking at yourself and and finding your weaknesses and what you need to improve on. Damn. Listen to the guy. This he's, he knows what he's talking about. So don't let your hunt, you know, come up short. Don't let your physical limitations, uh, set you back. Start now. We have fortunate enough. We have some time until <laughs> September comes around, till October, till November, till those you know rifle hunts kick in to really zone in. Make 2020. You know, it's been a crazy, freaking year so far with the coronavirus and and everything. But if you are planning on doing that hunt, make make this. You know, pull out all the stops. I I, I urge you to uh, do that. There's too many times. And I'm guilty of this as well. You show up to the mountain just unprepared physically, and it sucks, man. It really does so um make sure you're getting those reps in, working on that cardio uh and then of course, you know get your gear in line, start working on your mental toughness, start sitting on a bed of uh laying down on a bed of nails. you know you don't need that mattress at night, just just sleep on a you know metal raggedy rusty nail bed and you know, that'll, that'll help you out. That'll get you used to laying on the ground. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you got to do. Uh, start preparing. It's it's uh, it's going to come quick. With that, uh, I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to check out the Sportsman's Nation website. A uh, lot of cool content. There's some new podcasts popping up there. Lots of good stuff coming down the pipe. this fall and the summer so make sure you go to transitionwild.com subscribe go to sportsnessnation.com subscribe you won't be disappointed all right thanks again to our sponsors to our partners expedition archery skull brew coffee and outdoor edge knives thanks again and we'll talk to you soon